This is Linux in Laws, a podcast on topics around free and open source software, any associated contraband, communism, the revolution in general, and whatever else fancies your tickle. Please note that this and other episodes may contain strong language, offensive humor, and other certainly not politically correct language. You have been warned. Our parents insisted on this disclaimer. Happy mum! Thus, the content is not suitable for consumption in the workplace, especially when played back on a speaker in an open-plan office or similar environments. Any minors under the age of 35 or any pets, including fluffy little killer bunnies, your trusted guide dog, unless on speed, and cute T-Rexes or other associated dinosaurs. This is Lindsay Laws, Season 1, Episode 81. Martin, how are things? Yeah, fun, fun, fun things going on. Hmm. Busy, but yeah. Busy? Hmm. Didn't, I, didn't I tell you to get rid of the family and some other distractions? Well, some some of us also have to work for a living, yeah. <laughs> ah, see, Martin! <laughs> you see, Martin, I, work, I, I reckon I work, I work more than you do, but at the end of the day... It's unlikely, un unlikely, unlikely. <laughs> Uh, For you, it's just all a hobby. Jim, <laughs> tax authorities, if you're listening, yes, that would be you. <laughs> so, how's life at VMware these days? I mean, yeah. I haven't seen much actually about the. Of course, you cannot speculate about this, but there hasn't been mm. much forthcoming with regards to the Broadcom acquisition, no? Um, well, the, the uh, Broadcom CEO keeps posting how great VMware is and all the kind of stuff. So, so what could possibly. What, what could possibly go wrong? Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. for anybody who can't you? complain, so for everybody who's listening, who is who's some opening, the email address is martin.visser at. <laughs> I'm joking. No, myself, I'm still running that kind of tiny German town. Ah. Well, half of it anyway. Just as a matter of fact, I just found out that actually normal surface mail within said town. Takes anything between three weeks and three months. Okay, and why would For, you use, use this? Uh, there's some sort of administrative bureaucracy that sends letters <laughs> okay. to some buildings, and apparently we are talking about a, a distance as the crow flies of about one k, maybe two kilometers. <laughs> and okay. according to some so to somebody I had on the phone yesterday, <laughs> these two kilometers can up to take can take up to three months if you use your ordinary German surface mail. Which okay. is amazing, I hmm. think. Sounds like it's, it's worth doing just a short walk instead. Uh, <laughs> this is exactly what I intend to do, yes. <laughs> uh, maybe now is the time to buy the German mail system and do it correctly once and for all. And not this, but is like, it still, I guess um, like most mill mill organizations, they're just delivering parcels these days rather than letters. True, very um, true, yes. And junk, probably, junk mail, of course. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably the reason why this takes up to three months, if if it's delivered at all, because I'm just mm. following up mm. on things. And ah. that that initial letter should have been there about a year ago, and, and, and I'm still waiting for it. So I rang up the place and said, oh, look, where's the initial copy? And they said, we we mailed it out. But I said, I never mm. got it. Uh, we are more than happy to mail you a copy of this at a certain cost, of course. No, and, and I said, no, don't, because I'm going to pick this up myself. <laughs> Simple as that. Sensible, sensible, yeah. 
but this is not a show about the about the German postal system, <laughs> but rather about free and libre open source software. Now, Martin, what are we going to talk about today? Uh, we're going to talk about some operating systems, aren't we? As usual, yes. Hmm. Hmm. Any particular um, kind or just operating systems in general? <laughs> well, I mean, a particular kind. Um, in a way, uh, how is a mobile uh, operating system different from mobile. any other operating system, right? It's just a device and um, it has some other, let's say, physical characteristics. But apart from that... Um, it it's is as boring, exactly. It's as, yeah. it's as boring as any as other operating system. And with that, people, we would like to thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs> because that was probably the shortest episode we, we ever did. Excellent. <laughs> 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 yeah, the Elos the talking about mobile, mobile operating <laughs> They're not any different <laughs> like any other operating system. So move along. Hmm. Nothing to see here. Exactly. Well, okay, fine. Uh, originally, clearly, mobile devices were somewhat limited in in um, compute capacity and all that kind of stuff. But these days, <laughs> it's no longer the case either, right? So it's, um, yeah, I think your average um, mobile OS is I don't know several gigabytes. <laughs> I would imagine in just in running the OS and, itself. Yeah, mm. I can recall a very distant quote that an mm-hmm. iPhone four. And that goes back, of course, a few years. Had the same computing power that put the Apollo mission on the moon back in the sixties. I, I think that's probably using... more more than the Apollo mission. <laughs> <laughs> and I reckon they used a couple of mainframes in order to do that. No, no, mm. it's, it's, it's it's actually very fascinating. But I think before we before we tackle the details of the mobile operating system, we should probably actually take a look at back at the history of how this whole thing developed. Okay. Let's so it's so about thirteen. Let's have a thing. When, when, was, when did you have when did you have your first mobile phone? <laughs> um, can you remember uh, this? See, yes, I can. It was okay. It was about my really first mobile phone was late nineties, but not a smartphone, okay. but rather a feature phone. Well, there weren't any smartphones back then. <laughs> no, of course. Exactly. That's it. My first smartphone. I reckon <laughs> they, they were actually actually uh, telephone devices rather than um, yeah. Uh, glorified computers in a small form. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, smartphone surfaced late tens, right? As in iPhones and the first Android devices. Uh, before no, that, no, 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 no. no before, before that. that. Before that. Yeah, before yeah, yeah. that. Because there was, of course, now a totally different company called Research Emotion. Rings a bell? Yes. Yes, it does. Exactly. What happened to them? I think they took the wrong turn. Hmm. <laughs> Okay. No, they missed. I mean, it was. I wouldn't say it was a real smartphone, but it was kind of in between. A BlackBerry was in between. Right, it had a full keyboard. <laughs> yes, very true. It had a full keyboard, but it, yeah. but the idea was pretty much to put a, a limited amount of computing power into your hand, but mm. the rest was actually cloud based, or a predecessor of something known known as other people's computers, namely a cloud, because the email <laughs> gateways that research emotion used to put emails mm. onto your BlackBerry device actually were located in Canada and elsewhere because these were research emotion machines. And that well, was actually the niche e- e- where BlackBerry lives somewhere in. anyway. Um, don't before know, they, on, your, on your mobile device. But yeah. Exactly. Before <laughs> they before they kind of exactly mm. uh, get, uh, get onto your mobile device. But I mean, that was the compelling 
argument mm. to, to sell or to buy a BlackBerry because he had instant access to emails. And that device was outside internet access, if I'm not completely mistaken. But was otherwise very limited in computing power. Yeah. Uh, well, computing power, but it's also the uh, the whole communication um, speeds were low, right? Um, True. Probably. Hmm. And Martin, Wait, what did, what did, did you say? 2G, 2G ring a bell? <laughs> yeah. That was an and improvement of, at the time. <laughs> and of course, you could only get two apps, namely a browser and your email hmm. client. There was no hmm. such thing as an app store. Well, I never had a BlackBerry, so... Um... You never? What happened? No. You were what? mingling with the wrong crowd. Well, I used to telephone uh, a mobile for its purpose at the time, as, as in telephoning I people. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Okay. That hasn't changed much, Martin, has it? <laughs> Over the last couple of years. Uh, uh, well, hmm. uh, we were discussing the mail system earlier, right? But it's, it's similar to... Um, uh, I think people's telephone habits as well is to have have changed because clearly uh, using a phone was was the only way of very easily getting in touch with people. But nowadays everybody has a million different ways to uh, message um, other people. So full disclosure: Martin is younger than myself. <laughs> I just want to squeeze that in there. <laughs> And not by 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 decades, but a little bit, but um, <laughs> a little bit. Anyway, yes. Okay. Okay. Where should we start? Android or even even before that? Because I think Google and Apple were not too far away with regards to launching their first smartphones. Mm. Well, okay. So if we uh, if we go before we go into specifics about certain brands and and uh, implementations, what's different about a uh, an operating system on a mobile device. Well, it's still a kernel that mm. has a user interface and it runs applications. Okay. I mean, with regards to that, it's not much. It's not much <laughs> different from from say a laptop. Uh, as we said at the start. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> yeah. I on. mean, with, with regards to your own laptop devices, I mean, of course, the computing power and the available resources are somewhat limited because typically you don't mm. have 16 cores in a mobile in a smartphone, not yet anyway, maybe next year. And oh. with regards to, uh, for example, storage capacity, I've yet to see the smartphone that actually has a terabyte of storage at its disposal, where this would be typical for a desktop PC these days or even a laptop. Well, storage, you mean SSD? As in, rather than yeah, RAM. Flash, right? whatever, exactly. Clearly, the, the device size limits the type of. Uh, you can't just plug in a bunch of disk drives, right? Yeah. It's, um, Plus, yeah. um, 4K resolution probably will go by the wayside, too, because the, the screens are normally quite small. Plus, the fact that apart from very few models, you don't have a keyboard. No? As in, with an ordinary smartphone, a smartphone that is. Well, there's a definite trend of them getting bigger all the time, right? But anyway, um, yeah, okay, so makes sense. Limitations on uh, storage, etc., uh, and what you can put in a small package. Um, but clearly, yeah, you have uh, device drivers for the cameras, for the um, antennas, all that kind of stuff. So, from that point of view, presumably, it's all similar to your 
standard operating system. Um, That's precisely the reason, actually, why the two big manufacturers actually mm. take uh, the standard operating system. <laughs> yes, the standard, yes. actually, two of them yeah. take them and actually put them on their smartphones because, and we will go down memory lane in a minute. Mm. But with regards to the history of these two things, the two dominant players in the market, namely Google with the Android operating system and Apple with the with the iPhone. Essentially, you're talking about slimmed down versions of uh, macOS for the iPhone. It's called iOS. Mm. And of course, as probably many of uh, the people listening to this episode know, at the very core of Android, there's a there's a kind of repackaged Linux kernel at mm -hmm. the end of the day. So these would be two standard operating systems that you know, would normally find on a desktop or server, but are now happily ticking away in a, in a smartphone. Okay. Clearly, most uh, most mobile phone users out there, they'll buy a phone, they'll run it as is, right? Um, however, are there some alternatives to, if it's just Linux or Android, you could run your own, right? I mean, you can always go down the Martin road and mm -hmm. stick to a feature phone or hmm. a landline. Landline. Because, oh. exactly, because <laughs> if you just make telephone calls, <laughs> if you don't need apps on your phone, you just pick up a feature phone or hmm. sit down at your desk, pick up the landline and make a phone call. But I reckon yeah. this is not what you want to do being a 25-year-old kid. Because the smartphone can do much, much, much more than just making phone calls. And this is, I reckon, where the, not with not just with the advent of social media, this is where the really killer app is, is in, in terms of the unique setting point for these devices. Because at the end of the day, they are as sophisticated with, when it comes down to app deployments as, as laptops or even, or, even, or even desktops. Okay. Because at the end of the day, you're looking at a fully featured operating system with a graphical mm. user interface and all the rest of it on top of that. So if you want to browse the internet, if you want to talk to your friends on Twitter, if anybody's still using this, or Mastodon, of course, which is the new feder uh, federated approach to communication. Snapchat, surely, yeah. Or whatever, what's called whatever. Instagram. There used Friend to be face, thing whatever, called, yes. Yeah, I think exactly. There used to be this thing called Facebook, but I reckon that's more for people older than, older than myself these days. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it was still relevant, but I reckon it's not anymore, mm. but that's beside the point. No, jokes aside, there's a reason why all these commercial or open source uh, networks have their own app implemented. Mm. And if you take if you take a very close look at some of them, actually, they have, there's not much more than just a kind of a browser app running on your phone. Sometimes, yeah, most most apps are just really just the yeah the browser apps that have been repackaged. Exactly, yeah. repackaged. Sometimes that's not the case, but most of the times, actually, something like a browser, like a like a React framework on top of a browser implementation or, or mm. rendering engine, for that matter. Okay. But, I mean, the beauty is basically you just have, I mean, you don't have to deal with browsers. You simply launch the app and the app does it all for you. And I think that's, especially if you are not a programmer, I mean, this is the this is the mass appeal because simply, you simply launch the app and, and the app is there for you. Yes, okay. 
um, clearly also they take up space and all that stuff, and they have to be kept up to date. So, whereas if you just go to a web page, you're always on the right version, uh, but, and it does take space up on your phone. So, handy top tip: um, you don't need to buy a big phone; just delete all your apps and use the web versions <laughs> instead. Um, okay, okay. So, um, for history, time for history lesson. History, as okay, Grant, yeah. Go for Grant it. is telling how how it all began. It's about late nineties, early early tens. Uh, Blackbird has made uh, Blackbird Re research emotion has made a fortune <laughs> by selling by selling somewhat a, a, a hybrid between a smartphone and a and, and a feature phone. And now Google is just emerging with regards to having set up the company and now looking for something to make money beyond putting videos onto web pages and doing search. Mr. Jobs is looking to also to increase revenue after the iPod has arrived at the market. So iPod. They, these, iPod? iPod, iPhone. yes. It, it, no, no. It used to be a small device back in 2003, 2004 that would allow, and hence the name, that would hmm. allow you to put music onto a portable device. And that was called an iPod. That doesn't sound like a good name at all for something that plays music. <laughs> well, how, do you, how do you connect iPod to music anyway? Um, fine. Is you use actually something called a computer, Martin. No, no, no. I mean, as in the name, but yeah. No, I mean, this is where podcasting comes from, right? Originally, anyway, about oh. 20 years ago. But podcasts are music. Anyway, never mind. So it was no, a podcasting device. Ah, I see. The, the idea was actually <laughs> to listen to audio while you're on the go. Audio, something okay, that, okay. Yes, something that right. has been by the wayside once the smartphones arrive, of course, but that's beside the point. So both companies <clears> and, <throat> and, and, and quite a few other companies too came up with the notion of a shrinking computer and putting this into your back pocket with <clears> an operating system top. And Apple launched it as, as, the, as the iPhone. And Google acquired a company called Android back in 2005. Hang on, hang on. So a company called Android. Yes. Well, Android was an open source operating system. No, uh, Android was actually a no, no, Android was actually a company. Okay. Links, of course, will be in the show notes. Andrew Rubin founded this company quite some time ago with ah, the Ah, the Police Academy. How did he do that? <laughs> No, 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 a different one, a different one. Oh, okay. No, 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 no. He founded this company with the idea of actually um, putting a small computer into every back pocket, into the back pocket of every person on the planet who is able to buy, to buy this, as in a fully right. featured smartphone. Okay. No, that was the overall idea. And because these people were looking for operating systems, uh, they had to use some sort of software in order to get things going. And this is a... I don't know any company that wrote their own mobile operating system from scratch. Even BlackBerry used something called QNX, which I think at the time was a real-time operating system that was readily available on the market. Hmm. But Andrew Rubin had this grand idea of, hey, there's this kernel called Linux, so we might as well use the strip-down version for these phones. And if you take a very close look at iOS, as it is known mm -hmm. today, is actually a stripped-down version of something called macOS or OS X, as, as it is also known, as in a free and open-source foundation in the shape of a heavily modified FreeBSD personality running on top of a Mac microkernel, and the rest is proprietary crap, as with OS X or macOS. Yeah. Okay. 
but Apple and Google weren't the only companies dipping their toes into mobile waters with regards to smartphone. There was a whole slew of companies, Intel, Nokia, well, just still, name, but a few. Still are, right? Some, <clears throat> Samsung, yeah. exactly, doing their own operating system. Uh, most of them actually well, Yeah, yeah, okay. I mean, fine, I had a Sony Xperia for a while, but they're just sort of modified versions of, of a version of Android, so it's... I'm, I'm um, talking about the likes of Sailfish, Memo, Tizen... Hmm. Because at the end of the day, and of course, again, links will be in the show notes, they all go back to a couple of, um, what's the word I'm looking for, initial approaches mm-hmm. of Intel, Nokia, and some, other, and some other companies of trying to emulate, repeat um, Google's and, and Apple's success in this area. What about Microsoft? Hang on, that was a company up in Redmond, as in the oh, northwest it's, coast. It's still, still is. <laughs> ah, other still. Ah, yeah. That'd be, that'd I, I seem to recall they had a, had a had a failed attempt at, at uh, creating a mobile OS that's called Windows CE or something, and uh, some, some dodgy uh, devices that nobody bought. <laughs> I thought it was called Windows Mobile. Does, um, does Metro go back to this original design or something that heavily failed in the marketplace? Yes, it definitely failed, for sure. I think I can recall one remote acquaintance of mine ha- having possessed a, mo- a Windows mobile phone about, what, 15 years ago or something like that, that but only for about two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe three. No, what's jokes the, aside. the screen people. usually blue? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, jokes aside. Yeah, Microsoft tried to get into the game, but failed, Indeed. of course, as we all know, very heavily. Yep. But quite a few other companies actually made an attempt, and some of them are still around, but at the end of the day, with regards to market share, they're dead. It, most of the, and most of these things happened about 10 years ago, maybe, maybe 13 years ago, because at the end of the teens, there was a whole slew, hmm. like, like, like mushrooms after summer rain coming out of the ground with regards to mobile operating system technology or trying to get in on the game of, of the likes of Google and, and Apple. But uh, for a number of reasons, and probably the, the lack of an app store is very high on that list, they all failed. In the um, <clears throat> interest yes. of, of not uh, favoring um, our, our Silicon Valley friends, there seem to be um, uh, a certain <clears throat> uptake in uh, Chinese brands in the last few years that are coming on strong. Um, I mean, they, they all run Android now, if I'm not completely mistaken, or try to run Android. Mm-hmm. So, uh, similar to, to Samsung, they are part of the Android ecosystem. No, I'm talking about companies that did their own thing. With ah, okay, okay. Memo, Tizen, Tizen, of course, being, being Samsung Project 2. But there's still a company called around called Yola that does Sailfish. And Sailfish, but Sailfish now, which is, of course, also a mobile operating system for smartphones, <clears> has <throat> copped onto the fact that you cannot beat Android. So what Sailfish actually does <laughs> is actually it can run Android yeah. apps natively. Or not natively, but rather, the I think the latest version supports it actually in, as part of container deployment. They use LX, LXC at the very core to run APKs as an Android okay. packages, as an Android apps. I mean, what, which phones even run Sailfish? Yala's phones. No, 
Who? I think what? yes. <laughs> a what firm? <laughs> Yola. It's a company. Is it? Okay. But I think, yeah. They, a very successful one. <laughs> they're a Finnish company, and I think... Yes. Aha! Since the name, yes. Um, not too sure if they don't, if if their own. I think they do their own devices, but it runs on an, on a number of other devices as well. But the okay. market share is tiny. Hmm. Okay, and so okay. The question is, why are, are they doing this? Because again, it goes back to the history. That goes back to a project called um, Memo Moblin and Migo and 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 some other technologies. Mm. I mean, okay, history lesson. Nokia developed something called Memo. Intel got came up with the idea, and these are all Linux-based smartphone mm. operating systems. Intel came up with the with the notion of Moblin. After that, Nokia and Intel married Memo and Moblin to something called MeGo, and out of this came Nemo Mobile, which which is still community-supported, and Sailfish OS, which is, of course, Jolla. And along the way, uh, Samsung got in with Tizen, also a modified Linux kernel, but uh, similar to to Sailfish and Nemo, the market share is tiny because at the end of the day, you're just looking at Android these days. Mm-hmm. And of course, this marketing company called Apple with their with their iPhone offering. But there are more corpses along the way. Does the name Fair Firefox OS ring a bell, Martin? Well, I can imagine Back what it 13. is, but I've, I can't say I've ever seen anybody using it. <laughs> that's that's precisely it. Yes. The uh, Mozilla had this grand idea of putting a slimmed down again Linux based ver- Linux based operating smartphone operating system mm-hmm. on on smartphones with the idea of also having a tiny app store that would run mostly Qt based if I'm not completely mistaken HTML5 app applications. Okay. But as we all know, you see the thing is what makes an operating system on running on in a smartphone ecosystem popular. Any guesses, Martin? Say that again. What makes a smartphone operating system popular, as in hardware manufacturers wanting to put it on their devices? Ah, um, well, uh, it's cheap, secure, um, easily adaptable to their own branding, security measures, whatever you want to do, right? It's, I mean, this is what... Um, uh, you can see in some brands, right? They just take a, uh, an Android and put their own kind of layer around it to make it look like something else and limit features more, more, more yes. really than than anything else um, to keep you tied to their platform. Yes, spoken like a true granddad, Martin. <laughs> You're at welcome. the end of the... Yeah, not, not, the I don't have the... any grandchildren yet. But yeah. <laughs> Um, no jokes aside, Martin. You're absolutely spot on. But you see, the thing is, basically, yes, uh, me and you care about these aspects, especially the security and all the rest of it. But mm. uh, for the younger people who make up the lion's share of the, of the people buying these smartphones, what comes to mind is: a, does it have an app store? And b, does this app store have the apps that my friends use, so and so that I can communicate with them? That's as far as it goes. 
Yes, mm -hmm. they may right. care yeah. about security and all the rest of it, but only after a lecture from the parents. Well, security and then privacy as well, right? The privacy aspect has, yes. in, uh, has to be mentioned. <laughs> yeah, but clearly, only uh, after uh, the uh, parents basically stand them down for a lecture, exactly, on the subject. <laughs> because before that, they wouldn't give a rat's ass about it. All that would matter is basically, can I talk to my friends on these devices? Mm. And that circles around something called an app store where you can get the apps that all your friends use too. Simple as that. So no app store, no mass market, especially in the younger crowd. And mm -hmm. that's exactly why the approaches like Firefox or Ubuntu Touch for that matter also fail. Ubuntu Touch, yes. Uh, mm. Yeah, the idea of, of Mark Shuttleworth was actually convergence. You have laptops, you have yeah. desktops, and they all run your favorite operating system not called mm. Windows for a change, but rather Ubuntu, as we all know, Debian Spin. But the grand idea of actually was how to capture the mobile market. So he came up with this operating system idea called Ubuntu Touch, but that also failed because it didn't have that app store at its disposal. It couldn't even run Android APK, so why bother? And that's exactly what happened to, to Ubuntu Touch. Mm. They tried to put Android emulation on that uh, in, uh, as part of this operating system, but they simply Android emulation because way too good. late, yes. There was a version where you could run APKs, I think, either emulated or natively. Uh, but at the end of the day, it was just a Qt5-based user interface running a web browser uh, on Linux. Not too yeah. far away from Android, but it was missing at yeah. least in the very beginning the capability of running, of using the App Store, like the Play Store for, for Google. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And hence well, I think you, yeah, um, talking about young people, um, their uh, buying behavior is, is slightly less defined by, um, well, what you mentioned, uh, yes, what do my friends run, but it's also defined by... Um, marketing to a great degree so which is, which is why they, they, yeah well yes and no it um uh you know why do people buy new phones in the first place right it's not because they need a new phone it's, <laughs> it's because a new phone is out and it looks shiny and it looks new and and true therefore yeah. that's what what tends to happen rather than an actual need uh to or the battery runs down obviously <laughs> Yeah. Which is another fact, uh, another, um, uh, let's say, trend has happened over the, the years, right? That replaceable batteries have been, uh, or user replaceable batteries have been uh, done away with by all brands pretty much, just so that. There are a few yeah. bands, of course, available where you can still replace batteries. Fair for not, not, ma not many. Not many, <laughs> not many yeah, but they yeah. do exist. Yeah, I know. But, it's, but yeah. they come at a price, of course. Hmm. Right. Um, so on. Okay, let's go back to the privacy aspect. Um, uh, if you're running an Apple, uh, an Android, uh, not an Android, a Google Pixel, stuff like that, right? Um, Which is of course the Android device. It's an Android device, but they are clearly collecting a lot of your data. In that case, um, don't exactly don't run apps. Or don't buy the well, phones. not don't run out. It's it's built into the OS, right? So, uh, 
to a certain degree, yes. yes. Yeah. Um, uh, so there are versions of those operating systems out there that spring to mind that try to limit those activities like your yes. gra graphene and whatever you... Um, but then, uh, yeah. Okay, so if we're going, going to the install your own OS uh, route, why would you do this? Uh, why would you not do this? million reasons comes to mind. I mean, if you're happy with the Google ecosystem and Google, of course, selling, selling on your data that they collect on these mobile <laughs> devices, just stick with the, with the stock operating system, that's fine. But if, mm -hmm. if you don't want to do this, in that case, you have to resort to something called an aftermarket operating system. Mm -hmm. um, full disclaimer, it's, it's not for the technically uninitiated. Because okay. essentially what you have to do is if you, you have to unlock the device, that is also known as freeing up the bootloader. You have to root the device more often than not in terms of you have to become root on the device before you can flash your own image. Needless to say, there are millions of, of pages on the internet and links will, will, of course, be in the show notes. There's one particular site called XDA Developers that tell you how to flash your aftermarket um, operating system on your support device. There are quite a few of these aftermarket operating systems that do not carry necessarily the, for example, the Google, the Google ecosystem consisting of the Play Store and some other services. But bear in mind, most apps, especially in the, in the Android and also in the iPhone world, would require these services to be installed in order to function. For example, there's a ticket and more app from the German national rail system called DB Navigator that does require play services to be present on the device. You can emulate this, but doing so is very tricky. Okay. If current law is anything to go by, because you actually you actually have to, I wouldn't say you have to build your 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 supporting layer, but it's not too far off because you have to fiddle around with the device. You have, you know you know what you're doing. You you have to know what you're doing. Debugging tools like ADB, like Android Debugging Bridge, and so forth. You should be familiar with that with with that sort of tool set, because otherwise you will fail. So if you're not technically inclined, just stay away from these approaches. Or simply, basically, do not use these applications in terms of not don't don't just go to your ordinary vending machine, yeah. and buy a paper ticket if you want to try if you want to travel German Rail rather than mm. using your smartphone. Yeah, well, there is. I mean, okay, fine. You can run your own. Uh, there are alternatives to the factory operating system installed OSs. Um, however. Then okay, most of the big uh, companies out there, your Googles, your your Amazons, uh, sorry, your Apples, they will uh, put up patches very frequently, right? The, uh, you know your your updates are I don't know at least weekly with 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 Apple. Or don't know how much Google does, but and so your when you're doing this on your own, right? You're kind of relying on people to maintain a project to that same degree, which is probably a bit tricky to uh, keep up with all the security vulnerabilities for a small um, open source based um, uh, operating system, unless it's in the core, of course. But um, Funny that you mentioned that because there are alternatives available to the App Store. 
uh, for example, mm. on Google, there's something called F-Droid. I don't know if that rings a bell. Yeah, you mentioned this. F-Droid essentially is a, is an app store or an alternative to the Play to the Play Store that only carries true and open source software like music players, like OpenStreetMap applications, all the rest of it. These code bases are typically taken from GitHub, compiled, and then being made available in said app store. So I reckon the, the, the amount of vetting that, ha that has been done on these code bases is quite present in terms of significant, in terms of something that you download from FDOT should be as secure as something, or maybe even more secure because it's open source, um, compared to something that you download or that you install from the App Store. Because just because it's in the App Store, and mobile malware is probably the best example for this, it doesn't necessarily guarantee that the that the app you just you just download is safe. Google does some sort of initial vetting before an app can enter the Play Store. For example, they yeah. take it for a ride. They try, and there's a lot of artificial intelligence apparently involved in that process as well. They try to see if the app has a malintent in terms of if it's behaving suspiciously. And if that vetting process comes to the conclusion that this is the case, the, the, the app won't be allowed near the Play Store. But again, this is a kind of arms race because yeah, I'm pretty sure this is the malware authors yeah. Yeah. have caught up to the game. Uh, I thought that's one of the selling points of the App Store, but I could be wrong. No, I maybe mean, that's just you, marketing. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, in, in addition to this, if you take a close look at the Android architecture, they do a lot of sandboxing on the device itself. Okay. But for example. In contrast to the iPhone, the majority of the of the applications would be written in Java or Kotlin these days, running on Android. And it used to be Dalvik, but now it's called Android Runtime, if I'm completely mistaken, Art. And this Art, for each and every app, does its own sandbox. And the capabilities of an app are normally confined to the to the sandbox the app is running in. For example, best example, if you uh, want to use a file browser, you normally can only browse files where you explicitly have allowed the file browser to take a look at, or otherwise the file browser is confined to, to its own sandbox. Unless, of course, the device is rooted, but then all bets are off anyway. When when you say rooted, you may need to explain it to some listeners. But... Um, rooted means basically you have acquired root on the device in terms of uh, you have super user status on the device. Normally, that's not the case. Normally, you actually would have to resort into uh, rebooting the device into something called a recovery partition and then enable a root manager like Magisk. Again, details will be in the show notes to gain root status on the device. Something actually that Google, in the latest, in in the in the most recent versions of the of the operating system, is able to detect. In terms of, they have a framework in place that actually takes a look at the device and come up, and comes up with a level of trustworthiness. So it used to be the case that apps would detect yes, the phone is rooted or not. 
And if it's rooted, um, for example, in terms of banking applications, uh, not that many banking applications would continue to function, but rather alert you to the fact that your phone is rooted. And any, for example, any any payments in the Play Store where you want to pay for an app, the device cannot be rooted because Google prescribes Google Pay only be only to be used on non-rooted devices. If you try to use Google Pay, which is of course the payment service by Google, on a rooted device, it won't work. Simple as that. For security reasons, obviously. That sounds very sensible. Okay. Right. What else do you think is specific to mobile OSs that we haven't mentioned? Um, in contrast to other devices, most of them rely on the cloud as in other people's computers. Because what do you mean by relying on the cloud? Well, they they require constant connectivity, either through Wi-Fi or through five, four, three G or something like this. Because just take a look at these social media apps. Um, if you're not connected What's the to a, media app? Uh, <laughs> the likes of what's called Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, Martin, ask your kids. Ask your kids. They should tell you, They should be able to tell you this. <laughs> but I mean, these infrastructures do require other people's computers. So, without a cloud, a smartphone, I wouldn't say is not usable, but it's certainly missing the purpose that most people, especially the younger crowd, uses the, uh, use them for. And hence this kind of con constant crave for connectivity of said smartphones. Especially well, yeah, if, you're social, if you're active on social yeah. media. Yes, that makes sense. There's no way uh, to communicate if you don't have connectivity. <laughs> okay. Uh, but then, yeah, um, in most... Uh, of the countries that we operate. Uh, mobile services are pretty reliable in, as in mobile networks. Actually, that's a very good question because if you go down to Africa, people tell mm. me 3G is the standard, um, but 4G and 5G... Oh, no, 3, 3G is, is uh, about the highest you can get in most places. It, um, that's what I mean. I mean, 4 and 5G, forget about it. Not in Africa, apparently, unless you're kind of down in South, down in South Africa or something like this. But Central Africa, certainly not. And which is interesting because quite a few people actually do not use smartphones down there. A, probably because of the economic situation in these countries. But B, um, feature phones are do not require that sort of connectivity. Feature phones work perfectly fine with 2G or even lower speeds. Okay. Well, this is why the the first generation phones had SMS as a communication method, right? Because it doesn't use much bandwidth, and it's mm. not like a it's an async way of communicating rather than um, true. Yeah, yes, being being. So, Martin, where where will this mobile craze take us? Do you think, as in terms of smartphone deployment, uh, smartphone deployments? I mean, tablets have failed a little bit, right, since COVID. I mean, everybody was using tablets during COVID, but I don't really? see that many people using tablets anymore, especially if I go oh, to well, my kind of local coffee shop or something. Well, I mean, a tablet is just a large phone without a um, uh, uh, a mobile antenna. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> it's, Quite a few of them have built-in SIM cards, so... 
Mm, yeah, that's kind of a bit old fashioned now, but yeah. Is it um, okay? Yeah, most most of them don't anymore because tablets don't, don't tend to get used on the move, right? Um, Interesting. They are, yeah, the basically the advantage of your tablet is that it has a bigger screen um, than your phone. So if you want to do certain activities like drawing or uh, those kind of or writing kind of apps, then that is mm. for those without twenty twenty eyesight is quite hard to do on a small device. <laughs> okay, man. Going back to smartphones, mm. um, yes, faster, better, more storage, and all the rest of it. But uh, there's a certain yeah, there is a limit, and there haven't really been any real innovation since uh, Apple came up with the the yeah, let's say the the UI. Uh, I mean, um, yeah, you you can get uh, foldable smartphones, and mm -hmm. some smart smartphone manufacturers also kind of try to reinvent the the keyboard, but I think they all failed. But I think there's there's mm. one promising approach in terms of detonating devices. A couple of years back, there was okay. a huge press coverage about smartphones not being oh, on yes. planes yeah. because the batteries would explode. Mm. So I reckon that's mm. a safe approach to ignition of all sorts of explosives <laughs> out of the field. <laughs> Just take your smartphone. Yeah, and warm it up a bit. And you're, you're exactly. Good. And yeah. off you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but jokes aside, from a technological perspective, I mean, uh, given the battery woes, uh, or, or not, not taking battery woes into account, what comes next, mm. Martin? Um, I, I haven't seen any, as I said, any major um, revolutionary changes. It's all been uh, more memory, bigger, uh, better cameras, True, yes. bigger screens, better resolution screens. That, that's about it, really. Um, yeah, clearly, I mean, there's always the promise of 5G, <laughs> uh, which, which um, suggests that we can what do, about, yeah. do a lot more. But yeah. Um, what about quantum integration? Yeah. What about it? So, so D-Wave, if you're listening, <laughs> if you want to get out of this niche of way too expensive quantum computing, uh, quantum mm. reading computing, and by the way, am I dead? Because that's exactly what D-Wave specialized upon. Why not Why not put quantum cryptography and some other neat features into the pocket of people out there? Because that mm. would certainly be a breakthrough for companies like D-Wave. There are a couple of yeah, technical sure, sure problems to solve. Surely D-Wave have a cloud offering, so why, why <laughs> not put it in someone's pocket? <laughs> it's, I, Martin, it's all about the user base, no, at the end of the day. No, I mean, there, there, would, there would be a kind of couple of technical problems to, to, to solve in terms of next to zero Kelvin computing, but I reckon people are already yeah, yeah. working on this. Also, I'm not sure you need quantum computing to run FriendFace or Snaps, Snap something. <laughs> I mean, if you want to, if you, of course, Martin, if you want to do it in a secure way, as in encode the stuff safely yeah, before true, you can send it off, you would need quantum computing for this, no? Mm -hmm. As in quantum cryptography. Well, yes, you could. Um... Uh, your your other uh, device on the other hand would have to be able to um, decrypt it as well at the same. Computing <laughs> that, would, that would double the, mm. the insulation base, no? Excellent. Yes, yeah, good thinking, good thinking. <laughs> so get cracked, D-Wave and friends. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so... Mm. Not nothing major apart from... Yeah, D-Wave sounds like a good idea. Um, perhaps more of a... Um, 
uh, perpetual battery would be nice. <laughs> mm. That's your an, uh, ongoing. Well, it's not just in the mobile industry. It's also with electric car industry, right? The batteries are heavy, um, don't last a long time, and come with a lot of uh, environmental issues by creating them in the first place. So. Yes. Uh, yeah. So it's yeah. It, it, I mean, it's 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 a bit of a, a shame, really. That you know, most. Uh, I think the average phone life is two years. Not because of, uh, as I mentioned, um, the phone doesn't work anymore. Uh, it's more that yeah, manufacturers keep pushing out new models, and um, the the next one is always better than the old one, kind of syndrome. Badly. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen next because, uh, as you said, Martin, technological breakthroughs are limited. Mm. Because I I think also because of the tide <laughs> of the ecosystem. Yeah, uh, clearly Android is is here to stay and will continue to remain uh, to to Ooh. increase their market share. Yeah. Exactly, we haven't we haven't even mentioned market share, have we? No, maybe not. I mean, um, what's it? What iPhone, is it these days? iPhone clocks in at less than than ten percent as an iPhone usage. Oh, right. my, yeah. Yes, and I think the, the lion's share is actually with regards to Android clocks in at what eighty to five to to ninety, and the rest is small mm. fry. Yeah. So Android has clearly captured the market. Needless to say, supported by millions, not millions, but quite a few mobile device manufacturers like the likes of Samsung and so forth, who mm-hmm. just use more or less. And not exclusively for the devices these days. Yeah. The, mark, mark, the mass market clearly belongs to Android. Oh, yes. Plus the fact that, that iPhones tend to be quite expensive. Uh, well, you say that, but your average Samsung is probably the same price, if not more, these days. Mm. Um, Don't know about that. But as we all know, marketing departments, and Apple would qualify as one of them, yes, uh, are very expensive. That's also (laughs) the reason why Martin keeps firing them. Yes, they are. Exactly. Do not have a proper marketing department. Well, we have stickers. We have stickers. What do you want? (laughs) (laughs) Despite the in-law's success as of recent. Exactly. (laughs) We but have anyway, a T-shirt. Well, we have more than one. Yes. Well, yeah, we got two, haven't we? Very true. Okay. Hmm. No jokes aside. I mean, it's 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 clearly visible. I mean, the 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 marketing the market segmentation is 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 really straightforward. I mean, hmm. Android is a mass is a is a, yep. a mass mass product for the masses, and the iPhones are a bit more expensive, maybe not, but clearly not have failed. To to maintain that market adoption that was there initially, yeah. And with that, people, thank you for listening. This is the Linux in laws. You come for the knowledge, but stay for the madness. Thank, thank you, you for, for listening. listening. This podcast is licensed under the latest version of the Creative Commons license. Type attribution share like credits for the intro music go to Blue Sea Roosters for their song Salute Margaret, to Twin Flames for their piece called The Flow, used for the segment intros, and finally to Celestial Ground for their song Sweet Justice, used by the Dark Side. You'll find these and other ditties licensed under CC at Chimando, a website dedicated to liberate the music industry from choking copyright legislation and other crap concepts.